faithwire.com. Palestinians cheer, give out sweets after a terror attack in Israel kills three. Today is Friday, May 6, 2022. I'm Dan Andrews. Love that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, everywhere you love getting podcasts. All that good stuff. Leave a rating, leave a comment, and uh, we'd appreciate that. Joining me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell, also from CBN's Faithwire with a look at what is coming up on the podcast today. What is going on today, guys? Happy Friday. It is here. We've made it. We have made it. It yes. feels triumphant. It, it really does. does. It really does. Right. Uh, week after week. What a what a blessing. We deliver. A gift. Yes, <laughs> we mean, deliver. We're just, we're have we awesome. failed you yet? If we haven't, that means if we did, it means you're you or we are are dead. And in that case, you'll never know that we failed you. So it's a win-win for us. Oh, you're out of control. I love it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'll be talking about this this story, a tragic story about the two Palestinian terrorists who, who killed Israelis on the eve of their Independence mm. Day. So we'll get into that story. Mm. We'll also be talking about Dr. Kathy Koch. She's a former teacher and a staff member with Summit Ministries. She's going to break down, or we're going to talk about, rather, her breaking down the two most disturbing elements of the current state of education. All right, and I'm going to be talking about President Biden's new uh, press secretary as Jen Psaki is transitioning out and heading into the private sector. But the new press secretary has a dramatic conflict of interest that has raised some eyebrows, uh, more than a few. So we'll dive into that. All right. Well, we will start right here with the, the latest in Israel. So two Palestinian terrorists killed three people. Uh, in an attack in central Israel uh, last night, which was the evening of uh, Israel's Independence Day. So while so many Israelis were celebrating, this attack was being carried out. Four others were injured, uh, and of the three who died, they're leaving behind 16 children. Um, So certainly a a, a tragic situation that's mm-hmm. unfolded. Police are looking uh, for two suspects uh, that they say killed the three people and injured the four others. We're using hatchets and knives uh, in a very orthodox city uh, named Alad, which is uh, right near uh, Tel Aviv. Uh, so Israeli's prime minister, the Israeli prime minister, Naftali Bennett, has said that security forces would catch the assailants. They have the names of who they believe, the, the suspects who they believe uh, carried out the attack. And you can see more details on that specific at faithwire.com and cbnnews.com. Naftali Bennett said, we'll put our hands on the terrorists and their collaborators and they will pay the price. I send my condolences from the depth of my heart to the families of the murdered. Uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he weighed in and vehemently condemned the terror attack. He said this was a horrific attack targeting innocent men and women and was particularly heinous coming as Israel celebrated its Independence Day, which is what we talked about yesterday, 74 years uh, as an independent nation, uh, and and this attack is, is is how they unfortunately ended uh, the the celebratory day. So the Palestinian Authority President uh, Mahmoud Abbas uh, he also denounced the attack, but Palestinian terror group Hamas, uh, which effectively is, has run that the area near the Gaza Strip, uh, they claimed credit for the terror attack, calling it heroic. Uh, and then Palestinians reportedly gathered at the Gaza Strip and handed out candy and sweets and desserts to one another uh, in celebration of uh, the attack that left 
like I said, three people dead, four others injured, and 16 children um, behind. Uh, so just a, an awful, an awful situation, a, a terrible attack. As far as why it matters, it's you know pretty obvious why it matters. Israel is a is a theologically, scripturally, uh, is such an important nation. We've talked about this. We talked about it yesterday, and we've talked about it many other times. Uh, but also, anytime innocent people are killed, uh, you know, particularly in that part of the world, that's so chaotic. Uh, it's just a. It's a. It's worth remembering so that we can take a moment and, and pause and, and pray for these people, uh, because th- this is their, unfortunately, uh, their day-to-day life so often. So, Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, I, I don't, it's hard to understand the celebration aspect of things. Yeah. I mean, it just it's a level of depravity that's really difficult to comprehend to see, regardless of what you think about Israel and Palestine and should there be a two-state solution should they not have whatever you think it does not seem in any one of those scenarios that celebrating this is sane on any level so very disturbing definitely prayers out to all those involved yeah it's it's really inhuman I mean it's not like you know to to look at other people in a way in which they're so evil to you that they're no longer other people. And to be able to take that kind of act and, and do it, um, it just requires a coldness and a frigidness that is hard to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really weird too, but by, by the way, guys, like the, you know, the, the Abraham Accords are um, starting to undo some of this thinking, but there's been so much, it, it's like you're looking at this area that is still living in large part, with this tribal sort of identity nation thing that kind of happened, a people nation ideal that sort of you saw in the Old Testament, right? And you just have people still living like that and they still cling to those things when it's, in the modern age, it would be so easy to just live and let live, you know? And you even see it in Israel. There's so many Palestinians and Israelis live side by side in perfect harmony, but then there's just such a contingent that still cling to these land claims that it just makes it difficult for for peace to reign in that spot but but as we've reported on CBN the Abraham Accords are definitely making strides on that front well and because people are afraid of Iran really i mean that's what the, mm-hmm. it's interesting the fear of what could be happening there seems to be gripping other countries yeah. and i think it's helping it's helping bring israel together with uae and others you know bahrain and other locations where they're wondering, okay, what's going to happen with Iran? And so that's an interesting piece of, of that puzzle as well. Mm, indeed. All right. So the next story that we are going to talk about has to do with education. And we've talked a lot about education on the show. Obviously, right now, the American education system is at the forefront of politics. And that doesn't always happen. And I, I think we've seen this real turning point where parents are pushing back against gender ideology, against critical race theory, and and other subjects, but those tend to be the two that are on the docket. And so amid all of this sort of shock and this awe and the dismay about what is going on in our schools, we have the very real possibility that this will impact local, state, 
federal elections. We've already seen it, you know, really in Virginia impact an election there. And so with the midterms coming up, there's a lot to consider here. We actually spoke with Dr. Kathy Koch. She's a former teacher. Uh, She's with Summit Ministries. And interestingly, she's been on school boards. I mean, she's really kind of been in and out of the education system in public schools and is a homeschool expert, which I know you'll appreciate, Dan. Yeah. And so, you know, she had a lot to say about what disturbs her right now with the current system that we have. And she said, when I asked her that question, you know, what's most disturbing to you? She said, that's a loaded question. Um, but she talked about this liberal, powerfully funded agenda that is really taking control away from teachers and principals and the district and really putting it in the hands of people who have nothing to do with education. She talked a lot about how there are great people in our schools that she's a, you know, a former teacher. She knows that this is a struggle, that teachers want to have autonomy with their students and that she's experienced that as well as a professor. You know, she's got, again, she's taught across the board. Um, And, you know, she also talked about something else, though, that I think was, is really important. It's not just about the system. You know, she's obviously disturbed about what's happening there. But she said, and I'm just going to read her quote because I think it's an important one. So the other thing that concerns me is parents who are weak parents who have watched it happen and parents, grandparents, local community people, even people without children who see it happen. And by the way, the it she's talking about is this chaos, these topics that shouldn't be present in schools. But they see it happen and they aren't speaking up on behalf of our kids. They aren't going to school board meetings. They aren't saying, hey, this is wrong. We disagree with this. And I thought that 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 really is an important piece of this puzzle because we are seeing parents wake up. And, you know, obviously we want to see more parents wake up. But but this has sort of been shattered. And I think COVID was a big part of that. And she spoke about that as well. And we have a video with her you could watch on on YouTube. We've also got a story on Faithwire. Um, so there's there's a lot to, to take into account here, but she did also address Florida and the Parental Rights and Education Act, which we've talked a lot about. Um, she expressed support for that legislation. She said, look, you know, young kids, if you're a kindergarten through, you know, third grade teacher, this is not something you want to be dealing with. This, these are not topics that are appropriate for kids. Um, you may talk about some of them later on in high school or other places, but this is not appropriate for young kids to be talking about Uh, And so that was really interesting. She talked about parental freedom um, and really said something about teachers that I thought was intriguing. She said, my heart goes out to teachers. A lot of them don't want to be doing this. A lot Mm. of them find it awkward and they agree with us. Leave, let's leave the children alone. Uh, But the last piece that she talked about was homeschooling. She's an expert on homeschooling. She speaks at homeschooling conventions. She talked about how, you know, it's not easy to homeschool, but it's doable and it's very rewarding for families who choose to do it. She's also a big advocate of private schools. I I asked her, and I think this kind of feeds into the why it matters, do you think that people should be in public schools? Should Christians have their kids in public schools? And you know, it kind of pained her to say no. She said, I, I often advise that our children are not there, and I don't say that easily. Um, she talked about being a former public school teacher, but realizing that the system is broken. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll leave it there, but but there's a lot to to consider there. And I think that part about the parents not speaking up is probably the the piece that stood out to me the most. Yeah. No, I mean, I really do think that there is you're seeing a seismic shift happening in how we view education. And I think parents are realizing because of the radical nature of some of these things that are happening, whether it's in your school to a lesser degree or a greater degree. Parents are just realizing, oh my goodness, like I'm sending my kids away at eight hours a day and this is what they're getting. And I and I think 
uh, her point about it, this not necessarily being all the teacher's fault. I, I would agree with that. I think teachers are put in a spot where um, it's set up to sort of churn out the sausage. And then you have the powers that be up top that are pushing this diversity inclusion and stuff. And now you're being forced to, it's my job, or I just have to kind of be quiet and, and do this. I mean, and, and it's the very early stages of this. So yeah, you're going to get some people who just say, nope, not doing it. And they'll take a stand and maybe get fired or in trouble or whatever. Um, and then others are still trying to figure out how do I navigate this? How can I do it where I can make a difference inside this system? Uh, and then others are fleeing and homeschooling. Just others are fleeing to private school. Um, but I think what you're seeing is a seismic shift and there's like almost a reckoning in just how we do it, right? Because I, I don't think it's necessarily a teacher's fault when they're having to deal with these edicts coming from the top. They've been put in a system where it's all the kids same age and they're all there's 30 of them and you're dealing with 30 kids of all different levels and and, um, you know, advanced levels and slow levels and all trying to do it at the same time. It's just a, it's a difficult spot. And so parents are maybe starting to realize this. And I think it started with Common Core and people are going, what is this? Like you kind of realizing you have no control over what goes on uh, essentially with the with the kids at school. And then now we're seeing it with the diversity and inclusion stuff and also seeing it with the it, it really ridiculous sexually charged content as well so i we'll see what happens but i think parents are taking a look and saying how else is there a better way that i can educate my children particularly christian parents yeah you know i think one of the um positive takeaways probably from COVID is uh, the fact that parents were turned on to a lot of this stuff and were finally you know, for the first time, I guess, got a, uh, a look. Yeah, because into... they had to do the assignments, right? Like they were right. really having to look at them. Yeah, so they, they got a look into what is going on in the classroom. And I appreciated, too, that um, Coke was talking about, like, logistically, not just about the, the sexual stuff and the woke stuff, you know, whatever you want to call it, but also the fact that uh, so much of this is just logistically hard. They're not because of how many kids they're having to teach. And this is not the teacher's fault because of how many kids are having to teach and all of these standards, like you were saying, uh, Dan, that, that have been placed on them. They don't have enough time to actually teach them the core values and principles of like math and reading and, and science and all this kind of stuff uh, because it's so littered with all of these other things uh, that have been placed on teachers plates to do um so and then it, it they're kind of in a tough situation because there are plenty of teachers i'm sure and we've heard from some of them who want to speak out but you know they're they're already not paid generally a whole lot and they're going to risk possibly losing their job uh, to speak out so it's a they've been put in a difficult situation so i think um it's great that parents are willing to stand in that gap and speak up and put pressure um, on the school board because I think probably, you know, there are a lot of teachers who might not say it publicly, uh, but quietly behind closed doors are are rooting the teachers, uh, the parents on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do think that another thing parents are realizing is just, you know, you had mentioned earlier, Billy, in the story that, that some of the issues lie with these parents that just weren't really involved. And uh, I think that's what Another thing that the way our system is set up, it's kind of a set it and forget it. People just in their minds turn off this, well, they're, mm -hmm. they're going to the school to learn. I don't have to do that. And then what ends up happening, and it used to not be a problem because you, it was just they were going and learning their ABCs and one, two, threes, right? Like, okay, great. They're learning that stuff. But now 
it's just so much indoctrination happening and it's very one-sided and so you can't feel comfortable with that now and i think again the the latest revelations really put that into hyperdrive but i think parents are realizing hey i need to have more you know control over what my kids learn i need to be the primary one shaping them and that's difficult to do when you're not there most of the time and um you know, and as you mentioned, Billy, we're a homeschooling family here. And so I'm definitely biased on this issue, but it's still terrifying. Like, I don't know. You're going against the norm of what everyone else does. And so you're kind of you kind of wondering, I don't know, are my kids going to come out and not know how to function in society? I mean, it doesn't look that way. It looks like they're doing just fine. But, you know, you have those thoughts like, uh oh, so it's a, it's definitely a nerve wracking thing to go against sort of the norms. But uh um, I, the numbers for, for homeschooling and private schooling, I mean, it just keeps going up. And I think the more parents realize that they want to be the primary, because it, that, you know, there's challenges in homeschooling. I mean, there's days where you're just like pulling your hair out. I've got four strands of hair left as it is. And I'm, I've, <laughs> I'm pulling them out. Um, but there's so many blessings because, you know, just when I'm hearing you talk about, uh, you know, they're le- they finally learned during COVID what was going on and what their kids are learning. Well, we know everything that they're doing, right? Like we know every single thing that they're learning and we're watching them learn. We're watching them try to kind of teach a little bit of self-discipline and, 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 and a lot of times teaching things themselves. And, uh, you know, friends of ours from our community, one of them's a freshman in college right now and he went to a good school and he's there and he's saying how easy it is because you have a professor and he's like, I feel like I'm being spoon fed everything. Whereas, you know, in our system, you're doing a lot of, you know, your own research, like, yeah, you're getting guidance, but you're, you're having to do a lot of the legwork yourself. So anyway, there's a whole host of issues there. And like I said, I'm biased on that, but I do think you're seeing more parents really grapple with this and see if there's situations where they can have a little more say in what's going on. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, with that, why don't we, uh, head in to story number three guys. And, uh, this one involves President Biden, the Biden administration, has a new press secretary. And this is interesting because, of course, we've seen, if you've paid any attention to this, it's, it's uh, is it Karine Jean-Pierre? And she, they're touting her as the first black and first openly gay person to hold the uh, White House press secretary position. But there's a twist. Okay, aside from uh, them celebrating all of this and and being excited about the first, which is something the left does is, you know, it's starting to become a thing now where how many boxes can you check just to say it's the first? Doesn't seem to happen when uh, I don't win some Sears. I don't think there were many first celebrated there. Were there guys? I I don't. Yeah, well, it was it's kind of the it it was a first that nobody wanted to acknowledge in the media. Um, Right. Certainly a first. I mean, right. Quite a historic moment, but yeah, nobody wants yeah. to acknowledge that one. The the, his, the exciting history is only on one side of the <laughs> yeah. aisle. No, nobody seemed too excited when Sarah Palin was nominated that to be excited for the first possible woman vice president. Right. Um, they didn't want that. Anyway, so the the problem here, though, and the twist is that um, Kareen is uh, her partner is Suzanne Malvo. You may know the name if you have happened upon CNN from time to time. She is a CNN correspondent, but not just a CNN correspondent. She is the national correspondent in Washington, D.C., and was, for a time, the the White House correspondent for CNN, So, but still reporting on politics. And so Corrine and Suzanne live together and have a seven-year-old daughter. 
Uh, I'm my look. My science is a little rusty, guys, but uh, not sure how that one happened exactly. But I guess maybe adoption. So, but they have a daughter, and they live together. And so people are kind of making this observation, guys, that this is an example of the White House literally in bed with the me with the media. And uh, I thought that line a little comical, but uh, this is an interesting development because. It's similar in a way to the Chris Cuomo and the Governor Cuomo situation where they used to have at CNN boundaries with the Cuomos and then they totally ditched all of those in the midst of COVID and that ended up backfiring spectacularly when all of the revelations came out from Chris and Governor Cuomo, how Chris Cuomo was helping Governor Cuomo navigate sex scandals and other scandals. Really, really bad stuff. I mean, trust in media is at an all-time low already. And then when you see that coming from CNN, that damaged that trust even further. And then now we see the White House press secretary is going to is literally in bed, quote unquote, with someone from CNN. I mean, it's just who reports on politics. So I mean, it's just unbelievable. We'll see if if Malvo actually sets aside and skip certain stories because of that conflict of interest. But given CNN history, it's not a given that they won't, that they will do that. And Jen Psaki for her part, by the way, and this isn't unprecedented. This happens all the time. It's still disturbing, whichever side does it, but she's going to go work at MSNBC. So I don't know, guys, why does it matter? It matters because our media is supposed to at least be somewhat trustworthy. And it's just been on a, downward spiral for several years and it's i think hitting all-time lows at this point i mean nobody's going to no one's going to trust anything pretty soon that comes out of the media at all if they do uh currently so what's your guys reaction to what's happening here i mean it's like there's two sides to it right one is you know should you punish somebody because they happen to be married to somebody else the other side of it is what in the world is going on and i tend to be on the what in the world is going on side because (laughs) You know, look, when you if you work for a polling firm and the poll and a polling firm calls you to take a survey, you can't take you're not supposed to take the survey because you work for the polling firm. Right. I mean, that's a, a very different example from this. But I mean, you mean to tell me that somebody who's in a relationship with somebody and they have a child together isn't going to share information from their job, isn't right. going to I mean, it's it's almost a ridiculous prospect. And so yeah, it would seem to me to be a major conflict of interest. And it would also seem to me, if I were CNN, after coming out of the Armageddon yeah. of controversies that they've had, that this is the last possible thing, the last thing. you want to be dealing with right now. It, so I yeah. I think it is a major problem. Well, right? and I have, I have not seen if CNN has made a comment. But if, if CNN said, look, Suzanne, we, we understand how this looks, but Suzanne is not going to have any reporting with anything to do with the White House, uh, you know, from a communication standpoint, right? And but even that, if she's reporting on politics, that's unavoidable. I mean, you can't. That, that is unavoidable. So I, I really don't know how. What do you recuse yourself and then go start covering sports? Like I, I, it's very difficult. I mean, they would have to really remove her from anything White House related because it, it'd be almost impossible not to look at anything she wrote as spin. Yeah, I. I think it's just the hypocrisy of this whole conversation that is mind-boggling yeah. to me. I mean, it's like 
the left is the are they're the same people who recently with this whole Clarence Thomas and his wife thing was like, well, Clarence Thomas can't be a like he can't be a fair jurist and a justice because his wife is a conservative political <laughs> activist. Right. So it's like they they just cherry pick. Well, for this person they can do it. This person they can't do it. Um, so it's like I I don't. Like, you know, I, it, it's it's just, a, I guess, like Billy said, like what in the world is going on um, kind of kind of moment. Yeah. Um, so because you know that if this was the other way I, around, if Trump was in the White House or any other Republican, this would be absolutely unacceptable. And it would be getting wall to wall coverage from Brian Stelter. So, yeah. oh, oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. So, yeah, it's uh, we'll see how it unfolds. But um, it's it's not a good look. And, you know, you'd think that uh, CNN will do whatever. If they were smart, they would do whatever they could to... To avoid of, another Cuomo. Yeah, Cuomo. to avoid another Cuomo. But I, I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't seem like... I mean, they should have... A network that is big as CNN should have known in the first part not to do that with Cuomo and not to cross that their own rules on it which were good rules in the beginning, but they, they weren't able to do that. So we'll see well, if they've learned. Here we the go ownership. again. Yeah, here we go again. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, before we head out of here on a Friday, I've got I've got to share this one last story because I'm, I'm just fascinated that this actually happened because this is the kind of thing you only think you see on Netflix. But have you guys seen the video of um, a sheriff's deputy um, or corrections officer in, with the sheriff's department, Vicki White, and she walked a... A fugitive, a guy who was in prison for, I believe, for murder, and she just walked him right out of the, right out of the corrections facility in handcuffs, put him in a car, and took off. <laughs> I mean, crazy! It's unbelievable. It crazy. And they, uh, they're they're not they're not related. The guy's name is Casey Cole White, and um, uh, she's Vicky White, but they're in a le- they're supposedly in a special relationship, quote unquote. So what does that even special? Mean? I, I don't know. It's special. I have no idea. Special um, like I'll break you out of jail special, allegedly. I or guess. Special, I mean, like but, but she friends? told Yeah. She told coworkers that she was transporting him for an evaluation at the county courthouse. <laughs> well, I just uh, think you've got to be pretty close to somebody to will to to risk breaking them out of prison. I guess you don't just do that for anybody, especially yeah. when he's a murderer. Like, and the guy apparently had said that if he ever got out, he was going to kill his ex girlfriend. So it's like she is in uh, danger. I, I, I mean, I don't know what this guy told her, but I mean, she's clearly putting her life on the line for this guy because he could turn on her at any moment. I mean, I don't know. And uh, her job, and her job. And, well, her job's gone. I mean, that's. I mean, her. I mean, she's. Yeah, that's over. Yeah, that's over. I mean, she's her freed. I mean, she's going to go to prison for this when she gets caught. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But. But, uh, See, that's what I always that's what I always think when you watch like particularly dramas that are based off of real crimes or you watch a documentary or read a story like this. I always think, did they actually think they were going to get away yeah, with this? You, like you always get caught. Always get caught. And, and I think people do think they'll get away with it. I do. I, I think you get caught up in it and you They must I because guess. how could she risk her freedom over this murdering dude? Like it's just really crazy. Really, really crazy stuff. But anyway, hopefully they get caught because obviously dangerous fugitive on the loose. So, um, and with that happy note on Friday, just keep an eye out for <laughs> yeah, just they, keep an eye out for that uplifting news. I'm just fascinated by it. But it was, but just keep an eye out for uh, Casey Casey Cole White and Vicky White in your neighborhood <laughs> because you know you never know when they might uh, come rolling up. 
And yeah. uh, you could maybe there's a reward out. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's, that's the positive thing of the story. If, if you're one of the listeners that see them and you get a reward for turning them in, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and here's our mailing address. <laughs> this, see what this, this podcast does so much for everybody. It does. It does. It does. At least that's what we tell ourselves to see. Financial blessings so, now. Yeah. Financial yeah. Blessings. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right. Have a great weekend. Um, I will be out at the Ark Encounter next week for a homeschooling conference out there. Uh, yes, because I'm fully. I'm fully in that world. But God bless. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next week. Lord willing, in the creek don't rise.